0: Welcome to episode thirty-four of the Crown'sman podcast. I'm your host Jared Downey. My co-host is Gaudi Molina. If you're wondering why I'm talking fast, it's because we're on a bit of a time crunch today. Yeah, we've got a guest uh, who I'm very happy that that uh, took the time to join us, Brian Cox. He's the president and CEO of uh, BCLNG Alliance, and um, their organization is. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to do the thing where I try to explain it. I'll <laughs> let him. I'll <laughs> let him go through it. Yeah. Um, but they're in a lot of ways they're at the forefront of developing yep. the LNG um, industry in British Columbia. Um, and I was doing a quick, uh, a little bit of research just to sort of understand the scope of the LNG industry. Um, and so I was found on Forbes. This is from July 2019. LNG right now is making up about 14 percent of the global gas usage um so that gives you an idea of the scale of lng globally um and and we're going to get into with brian a little bit about bc being part of that global market and how that is being accomplished before we do that we need to uh give a shout out to our sponsors
1: yes um, alrighty, and first up, we've got uh, Savannah equipment. If you need everything from slurry pumps to jaw crushers to ball mills to conveyors, you can go to the leader in new and used mining equipment, and you can visit them at savannahequipment.com where you will find more equipment every day. Um, I'd also like to mention just a reminder that we have rolled out a new series um, episode called the Crownsman um, Specials, where you where we actually host um, one-on-one interviews with companies um, where they can highlight p- uh, products, services, um, or new projects coming up. So please stay tuned and you can visit um, crownsman.com for more details or email us info at crownsman.com. We're good.
0: All right, we're good okay. to go. Bye.
2: Thank you for coming on the show. Great, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of it's it's an exciting time for BC uh, on the LNG side, and and oh. it'll actually globally, it's sort of an exciting time for uh, the LNG industry. So I'm I'm glad we've I've wanted to have someone from that industry come in for a long time, and I, I can't really think of a better person than the person who's heading up the organization who's sort of organizing all these companies together. Um, so could you could you give us a little a little background of of what um,
2: BCLNG Alliance I, is you know their mandate their goals sure. how they were founded Yeah absolutely and again it's great to be here today talk about this really exciting new industry that we're building here in British Columbia cuz let's let's remember this is the first time in our generation we've had an opportunity to build a brand new industry mm. a brand new new uh, natural resource industry in British Columbia so very exciting time BCLNG Alliance was formed in 2014 uh, by the, prop- the leading proponents of uh, looking to develop the LNG uh, industry here in British Columbia. So uh, uh, it's been an operation not for very long, uh, but, uh, but now, and very importantly, we have our first final investment decision, which of course uh, happened in October of 2018, when LNG Canada took uh, their final investment decision. And wow, what a decision it was, $40 billion, the largest investment in Canadian history, made right here in British Columbia. Uh, and shovels are in the ground as we speak. So we uh, we were very excited about that project. Uh, the wood fiber project is very, very close to making a final investment decision as well. So we're, we're very close to having multiple final investment decisions here in British Columbia. It's a place we didn't think we were going to be a mm. couple of years ago. We all know what happened uh, to, to, to the shaky. industry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's you know, a very exciting time, and, it, and it's really around, and you touched on it, Jared, uh, there's a real global conversation around uh, natural gas and and the opportunity that it has to to provide a a real solution to the energy needs of the future globally and uh british columbia is incredibly well positioned and canada is incredibly well positioned to be a leader in that space moving forward so so there's lots to talk about with british columbians and canadians and policymakers about what this industry can be and we at the british uh, the bc lng alliance that's our role we're our mandate is to engage with uh... with the public to engage with policy makers to engage with indigenous communities to basically engage in a dialogue about what this industry can be and importantly what we need collectively to be able to unlock this opportunity uh from a public policy perspective how do we grow this industry how mm-hmm. do we do it responsibly how do we do it in partnership and uh and that's something we're you know very busily uh, engaged in right now because th- again that demand is there for the product w- uh we just uh, we need to figure out the way to to ensure we continue to build this industry and and get our uh you know our responsibly produced resource to markets that are desperately in need of it
0: yeah um, the going go uh, I want to talk a little bit more about how the, the organization is formed and how it how it functions um, but first I want to give uh, you know and viewers because we do have viewers um, o- out in the US back east mm-hmm. so a, a lot of people won't be familiar and I could always be more familiar with with the projects that are going mm-hmm. on. So what are some of, uh, you touched on them quickly, but yeah. what specifically what are those projects that are happening uh, that the shovels are in the ground right now and that are very close to being done? Sure,
2: so again LNG Canada, final investment decision done, that's uh, of course uh, b- a pipeline is being built and the facility itself so yeah. so we can get into you know what's the opportunity, what does the industry look like in British Columbia, but uh, LNG Canada is uh, sited near Kitimat in Hysla territory, um, that's where the, uh, the facility will be, the pipeline will come you know, from northeast British Columbia to uh, to that facility. So it's a very large pipeline that's, mm-hmm. that's being built across uh, northeast B.C. And for those of, of us and your uh, viewers from British Columbia, you know what an undertaking that is to build infrastructure through that part of our province. So, so it's, a, it's a massive infrastructure project. It's going to take thousands of workers to make that happen. It's incredibly exciting. It's, uh, it provides uh, real, true opportunities for not only jobs, but careers for British Columbians, for Indigenous communities. Um, it's it's a really uh, important project uh, on the path to economic reconciliation with our Indigenous mm-hmm. communities, and very, very exciting. That's uh, in the works as we speak. Um, we've got the Wood Fibre Project, which is located uh, uh, just outside Squamish, so very close to Vancouver, actually, and that's a a smaller project, but still a very significant project that uh, that will ha- export as well. We've got uh, um, the Kitimat LNG uh, project, which is a partnership between Chevron and Woodside. Right. So that's in very active discussions right now, and really importantly around that project, they have announced that um, they're looking to proceed with an all-electric uh, plant, oh. which is, would be the largest plant of its size in the world to be all electric. So let's put that in context. Uh, wood fiber will be all electric as well. Very exciting. Uh, the fort. so again, are th- those are three uh, projects that are, that are looking to get into development. Uh, Kinemat LNG has not taken a final investment decision as of yet. They're still exploring right. their opportunity. Fortis actually has a, uh, an LNG plant. And I think this is important to contextualize, is that they've had a, an LNG plant in British Columbia right in Delta since 1971. So we have been uh, producing LNG Uh, And for storage so that's why they produced it was just for backup for the gas system but we've had it here for over 40 years so this is not new but exporting the product is new so Fortis um is uh, has, has expanded their Tilbury plant and is looking to p- expand even further because what they're looking to do is not only export but what hasn't been talked about a uh, whole bunch in BC is the domestic opportunity for for liquefied natural gas and that's really around our marine environment so there's an opportunity to uh, fuel switch from uh, bunker fuel mm-hmm. to LNG and what does that mean well that means that emissions get reduced hugely and particulate matter gets reduced hugely the, the ships that are traveling the world right now no one no country owns those emissions so they, the, the ships travel the world and there's no mm-hmm. way to capture uh, right. you know who's who's emitting what well what we can do here in Vancouver is create a LNG bunkering hub as we make this conversion fuel switch and it's a step change in conversion um, uh, when you when you see the reductions in greenhouse gases and it's importantly particulate matter and we can talk about that and what that means in the export opportunity uh but all, what's really cool as well is that the bc ferries have taken this uh opportunity and it's they have switched their two main ferries so any of your viewers that have taken a ferry lately uh f- from uh, Swartz beta to Wasson, the spirit class ferries the big ones are now on lng so wow. so a lot not, not a lot of people know that right so <laughs> yeah. so here we are you know making this switch here and right here in british columbia and, and what does that mean well the greenhouse gas emissions in particular matter are reduced hugely on those two vessels going back and forth every day. They're making several sailings a day and now they're running on liquefied natural gas and it's, uh, it's a demonstration of what the opportunity is for LNG right here in British Columbia. Now imagine as we take this opportunity to parts of the world uh, like Asia predominantly where uh, we all know air quality is horrible. Uh, the World Health Organization has recently said that, uh, that uh, there's two main uh, emergencies right now in the world, climate change and air pollution. 7 million people are dying every year because of poor air quality. I saw that quote on your LinkedIn. I was reading yeah, that. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's, it's a real issue. And that's, those are 7 million people dying every year, but that doesn't take into account those that are suffering from health right, consequences. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are t- all the way from children right through to the elderly that are suffering from poor air quality. It affects people's quality of life, um, you know, th- the lifespan. I mean, there's, there's this huge issues around air quality. Liquefied natural gas can be a solution right now mm-hmm. to reducing uh, uh, air pollution in parts of the world that are suffering hugely uh, for it. And let's remember, we all share one atmosphere. This is this, uh, uh, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and, and particulate matter only helps the world and helps our atmosphere. So, this is a r- <laughs> truly a real opportunity for British Columbia can pl- mm-hmm. to play a global leading role in that regard.
0: Well it's funny because in in the the circles uh, you get one people that go climate change is is very real then you have people that say well is, you know is it as dangerous and I my position on is it I'm not a scientist and what difference does it make if it is it go- is that or a- if it wasn't true would that be a reason to not <laughs> do all these good things for the environment mm. it's it's so important um, do you think that there is a is there a misunderstanding about LNG? Do you think? Like, I went on to your website. Yeah. It's a, it's, uh, it's. I'm gonna uh, bc uh, We'll put it up on the correct. There. Yeah. Um. But there's a there's a frequently asked questions section mm-hmm. on your website, which is excellent mm. because for me, and I'm, I'm probably around it m- the the industrial sectors more than a lot of the average person. And mm. there was a lot of questions answered that I didn't understand, even the way that the product gets reduced down so that it can be shipped efficiently and all that Uh, stuff. Is there just a misunderstanding,
2: in, in, even in BC, about what the product actually is? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and let's remember, this is this is just natural gas. It's natural gas that we are, to your point, cooling down to a negative 162 degrees centigrade. And when it does, gets to that temperature, it liquefies. Yeah. 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 And what it does is that reduces the size of it by 1,600. So it makes it much easier to ship uh, uh, products uh, uh, across uh, to other jurisdictions. but. But you know we need to contextualize the fact that we use natural gas every day. Every one of us, every British Columbian, whether it's in our homes for heating, for cooking, um, and uh, and so it's really reacquainting British Columbians with the product that they've been, you know, interacting mm-hmm. with for their whole lives. And saying this this product that you use every day, what we're doing is just finding new markets for it. And by finding new markets, we're actually making a huge contribution to human health. Yeah. And so, so it's a whole new dynamic of conversation with British Columbians and Canadians about what we're doing with our natural gas industry and what the opportunity is because the important thing to contextualize is this this is about this is about market right mm-hmm. um, the United States has become fully self-sufficient on their own natural gas and, o- and oil as we know right so we we had only we have only one customer right now, and that's ourselves in Canada domestically. But the United States is is where we ship our natural gas. So, so as they become self-sufficient, and they're now becoming one of the leading exporters of liquefied natural gas as well, um, we need to find new markets, right? So, so the export opportunity is really the commercial opportunity for our industry moving forward. So, um, so you know that that's why it's so important to develop this opportunity, especially on the West Coast of uh, of Canada. But again, there's also projects on the East Coast of Canada as too, as well, because there's opportunities to, to get LNG into Europe. The, the projects here on the West Coast are predominantly for Asian markets, which are, like I say, really, really in high demand for, for gas. Um, contextualizing, you know, LNG as a commodity, um, over 40 cu- countries are now importing natural, uh, liquefied natural gas, that's up from 10, only, you know, less than 15 years ago. So this has just hugely increased the uh, the number of countries that are importing uh, liquefied natural gas, and they're doing so from uh, countries like Qatar and Australia and the United States and, and soon to be Canada. So what's Canada's opportunity is that we, um, you know, have such strong regulations here. We do mm-hmm. things more responsibly than, than, than other yeah. countries. Uh, right. And importantly, our product is, r- is produced at the lowest uh, carbon emissions, right? So <laughs> all of our projects, LNG Canada, Wood Fibre, Kitimat LNG, Fortis' plant, every one of those proposed plants will be the lowest emitting plant in the world. Wow. So uh, when you th- put that in context, the demand is so high for gas, so high for LNG, it's going to be, that demand is going to be met by somewhere. So if it's not <coughs> being met by Canada, it's going to be met by a jurisdiction that's producing their product with higher emissions than we are here. So we have a, you know, it's a double opportunity. We can actually pr- uh, pr- provide the lowest carbon LNG to, um, to um, jurisdictions that are looking for it. So we have a huge advantage um, in that regard on, on just the responsi- responsibility of our, our product, uh, how we produce it. Uh, and you know, the regulations, the innovation, the companies that are producing it, the, the indigenous opportunities, it's just we've, we've got a great story to tell, but you know, commercially that doesn't get you an advantage. So yeah. we have to make sure that we have the competitiveness, the levers in place from all levels of government to ensure that we can be globally competitive in a world where um, you know, uh, there's multiple countries vying to, be, uh, to, to, pr- to, pr- to provide this product to market. And product-wise, BC
0: is—I um, think that was actually on your frequently asked questions part of your website as well. They were talking about the capacity of of BC, uh, of the actual product that could
2: be produced here, is just staggering. Yeah. What they can just in BC alone. Yeah, I mean that's really what what's been developed, and that's only over the last decade or so that we've realized the vastness of the Montney uh, Basin. It's it's a h- huge opportunity. Um, you know, it's over 200 years worth of of product right now and I know that there um, you know there's there's uh, talk that there's e- it's even larger than that as they do more exploration so that that's really powerful i mean there's th- the gas in alberta there's this is an alberta opportunity too there's yeah. lots of gas in alberta that uh, that needs to get to market as well so this truly is a canadian opportunity and i think that's the important piece of dialogue that we're having is that this, like I said off the bat, this is our generation's first opportunity to build a brand new industry and we're doing it in partnership. We're doing it in partnership with communities, with Indigenous communities, with, with all Canadians and so we do have this incredible opportunity to build um, generational prosperity for Canada in a way that's sustainable, in a way that contributes Greatly to uh, to uh, you know the global benefit and and so it's really important to have that conversation with with British Columbians and Canadians and to your point, not a lot of people have thought about uh, LNG. A lot of people don't even know what LNG stands for. Let's <laughs> be honest. And so so there's this great opportunity to engage and have a conversation about what uh, we can do with uh, with a product we've been producing for 70 years here in British Columbia. I mean, we've produ- been producing natural gas. So uh, uh, we're just basically finding a new market for it, right? right. Producing and not exporting right you know yeah. and that's yeah
0: it's it's a really exciting time uh let's uh let's give a shout out to our quick sponsors. Yes. i want to get in you've had quite an interesting professional career um and i want to get into that and why you you shifted into uh into the lng sure. market so yeah. uh Give a shout-out to your sponsors, and then we'll go from there.
1: All righty. We're also brought to you by Datacloud. Does it feel like you're drilling and blasting blind? Could your MWD measurements be better? The Datacloud platform shows your your lithology changes in real time for better blasting and fragmentation profiles. Check out their IoT sensors and cloud computing platform at datacloud.com and learn how you can know your rock today. Also brought to you by Streamline, they offer a complete package of fleet management solutions with three incredible products NaviStream, their onboard intelligence and telematics system, NaviLink, their vehicle automation and IoT platform, and DaGama, their dynamic transportation management system. And you can visit stti.com for the Streamline Advantage.
0: Both those companies are such cool companies. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> technology they do. Wow. <laughs> um I should send you links to them. It's quite uh, quite interesting.
2: Absolutely. I I mean I'd love to see that.
0: Um
1: All right, Tom, um, let's get into um I want to know how you started cuz I was reading uh, your LinkedIn profile yeah. there and uh, you've started off kind of in like the brewery and uh beer kind of industry. So how to, how was yes. that <laughs>
2: <laughs> Beer to mining to LNG. Yeah. A, it's, a, it's a linear path. Uh, um, yeah, so I mean, my background is uh, I'm, a, I'm a political science degree. So I've always been interested in public policy and, and yeah. governance. And so that's really where my, my passion lies is how do we create good public policy that's that's uh, balanced, that does the right thing, that ensures that people are engaged and, and, and uh, uh, feel that they've uh, they've had a chance to to be a part of public policy development. I think that's a really important piece, of, especially in this day and age where there's so much uh, ability to have conversations with social so mm-hmm. social media and otherwise. We need to be fully transparent about how public policy is developed and and uh, do that the right way. So that's always been a huge interest of mine, and it really kind of translated into uh, my professional career. Uh, and as, and so I spent seven years in the beer industry. I worked for Molson for four years. And, and what I did with them is I uh, I ran government relations, community relations, uh, and communications in Western Canada. So across the four Western provinces. And in the uh, the, the liquor industry, it's that's all run provincially. So each provincial regulation right. uh, is vastly different depending on which province you go to. So it's actually a very complicated business, the, the beer business, and we're seeing it with the cannabis industry as that's being built up too. I mean, it's there's a lot of different Regulations and they're different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But what I found most interesting about the uh, the, the working with Molson is you have uh, a, a company that's been around since 1786. That's <laughs> been um, you know family uh, family involvement for seven generations and you see that level of uh culture built within the company and i really really appreciated that that culture of giving back to the community so that was a big part of my role was was how how do we engage with communities in a in a meaningful in an organic way uh in order to build a brand which really was the molson brand so what was really interesting for me is in, in the world of government relations and marketing and public policy it's kind of a soft science right so it's Tough to get metrics sometimes, and what was really powerful for me in, in the beer industry is that I was embedded with the with the sales team. So you know, as as they looked to build market uh, access, they would work with me in the community side t- on you know activations. So how can we engage with communities to build brand, and then how can we track our sales to that to see if we're actually resonating with consumers? Mm-hmm. And so that was really powerful for me for the time that I was there, as I was able to actually see how um, the engagements and how how to be real with communities and how that translated to, to them choosing your brand over another when they mm. went to make a, a purchase. So that was very powerful for, uh, for me from uh, developing my career and, and how, how to engage meaningfully um, with, with communities, with stakeholders um, uh, moving forward. And so uh, after Molson, I actually uh, ran the uh, industry association that represented Molson, Labatt and Sleeman so i went to to work with competitors too mm-hmm. uh, that it formerly and, uh, and and worked on public policy to uh, to ensure the growth of the of the beer industry generally uh, and i always uh, during that time i followed the natural resource industry very closely and i've always been very interested in it my father was involved in the natural resource industry he was a supplier you know at a catering company that provided food to uh, work camps during the, the 70s and oh 80s yeah. in in alberta oh. so again we we lived through quite a downturn uh, you know we always think about direct workers but you know suppliers suffer just as much as we know when when downturns happen and we and so i lived through that firsthand and it's always it stayed very close to me so i saw the natural resource base and i and i looked at especially the mining industry and i saw an industry that was doing all these amazing things in british columbia that was so foundational that was in every community that was giving back all over the place and i and i did not see it communicated anywhere and i I said, uh, you know, I really want to be a part of helping to tell the story of, of what mining is, because when you think about it, mining is everything. Everything yes. that we do on a daily basis is brought to you by our natural resource industries, but really, truly importantly, mining. And you think about BC is a mining jurisdiction, you know, the largest producer of copper, the largest producer of steel making coal, uh, you know, very significant producer of gold and, co- and silver. I mean, it's an incredible mining jurisdiction, and and just wasn't talked about. So, uh, I I came on with the mining association as VP corporate affairs, and sort of started building that up. Three months after I started, Mount Pauli happened. So, you know, great timing in that <laughs> regard. Um, <laughs> and I say that, you know, you know, jokingly, but what that actually really allowed the industry to do was really come together, because uh, uh, we had to get out there and talk about our industry. So it actually provided a. a, a sort of a, a stimulus t- for the industry to come together and say, okay, we really need to engage, mm-hmm. um, uh, on this. And so that really, um, you know, that was a very formative time as well for me to, to have that, uh, especially public policy. Like how did we, how do we get the public policy outcomes from a situation like that regulatory wise and otherwise to ensure that we can still have the uh, ability to, to mine in British Columbia really, and in Canada. So, so that was a very powerful time. Um, And uh, then I had the opportunity to take over as CEO of the Mining Association uh, uh, in 2017. And and really uh, my goal in in that role was was taking it to the next level on communicating. So, uh, you know, Jared, you and I were talking offline on, you know, copper and and that the need for copper and electric cars. So what did we do at the Mining Association? Well, we got an electric car and we actually branded it and talked about all of the components, uh, all the mining components that that, uh, go into it. And we, drove that around the Lower Mainland and other places, engaged with British Columbians saying, hey, did you know that every electric car takes four times more copper than a combustion engine? So, you know, as we build out this, you know, electric car industry, we're going to need more mining. And that yeah. just starts a new dialogue, right? Because it's like, okay, if we're going to do these things, we're going to need a responsible ra- natural resource development. There's no country better positioned to do it than Canada. Again, because we've talked about it, we have strong regulations, we have strong innovation, we have excellent uh, companies, and we've got the talent and know-how. And so, so why wouldn't we, we produce it here and do it the best way and take that technology and export it? Because that's another piece of the mining industry that's really interesting, is that we've got this hub for mining here in Vancouver. Not many people know about that, but there's hundreds of mining companies that are centered in Vancouver. Uh-huh. They may not be doing business in British Columbia or Canada, but they're centered here for a reason. And why is that? Because, be, because of the services that are around it, environmental services, legal, engineering, Th- we're the best in the world at it, so companies set up here so they can take advantage of those services and export that expertise to other jurisdictions. That is building a hub. That is what we're going to be able to do in the LNG space, is build a hub where we mm-hmm. can take the cleanest LNG technology that we're building right now and export that to the world. So we can only, not only build it here in Canada, but we can take that to other parts of the world and improve this industry, so so that was really exciting about mining. and. Of course, when the LNG opportunity came along, it was it, the, the thing I was seeing about mining is that, you know, it, there, there wasn't and still is aren't projects that are moving forward from the uh, shovels in the ground point of view. And I think, you know, that's something we gotta, we gotta figure out collectively. And here we have an, uh, you know, an industry at LNG that's looking to build right now. Mm-hmm. And I, th- you know, I really saw an opportunity to um, to buy, buy realizing this LNG opportunity we're only going to uh, assist all of our responsible natural resource industries to continue to have the space to grow and provide prosperity and opportunity to all British Columbians and that is really the key about, um, about these industries is really engaging with our urban um, citizens, both here in British Columbia but across the country more, more broadly, is that there's a real disconnect between where wealth is generated out in you know, beyond the, uh, beyond the city and what that connection is to our cities. And th- th- com- we're completely interconnected, uh, especially through our supply communities. And so uh, uh, that's a conversation we need to have more, more collectively across our, our industries, and it goes for every industry, agriculture, you na- it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Uh, we, need to bri- we need to unify and talk about what it, what it really means from an economic point of view, how our economy truly works, and how we're all really, really interconnected. And so uh, I really see this LNG opportunity as being uh, the, the sort of lead conversation um, in our country for that right now. And uh, boy, what, a, what an honour it is actually to be part of this industry and have that dialogue with British Columbians, Canadians, uh, and more, more uh, generally, the world about what this opportunity can be. Yeah,
0: you uh, you, you touched on something earlier, and um, about you know the U.S. Um, I mean, the U.S. historically neighbor, best friend, all of that. Um, but from any business model, having one customer is, I mean, that's just it's just a it's a bad idea on every level, and. I wonder, again, I wonder if uh, uh, enough people understand the opportunity of having a product like LNG being exported out and how much strength that actually gives Canada, not just from a revenue standpoint or jobs creation, but from a global market position. Mm-hmm. That now as the as economies, and because de- there is a global market, but it's also affected by countries as they grow and develop, yep. now you have an opportunity to be involved. And and obviously, if you have more countries you're dealing with, the variables are lessened because there's, it's it's you're you're not relying on one or two countries. Absolutely, yeah. and and I think that I hope that, um, that people are, are are starting to understand
2: that, or that, that message gets out, because I think it's really well, it is very important. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I mean, that's the, I think that's the story of British Columbia. We are a very small, you know, 5 million people, trade exposed industry. We trade. That's what we yeah. do. We, we send our products, um, you know, to other markets. And so this is an opportunity to find another market for our responsibly produced product. Uh, and, and in doing so, that you know, like I've talked about, we're getting it to places in the world that really need it. And we're actually making the world, you know, making a huge contribution to reducing greenhouse gas emissions and importantly particulate matter as we, as we talked about. So there's just so many benefits to developing this industry, uh, this export industry and, in and, you know, supporting these projects. I mean, LNG Canada is just a wonderful, um, corporate citizen. They're doing great things they are engaging in really meaningful ways with indigenous communities, with the local communities. We are building this industry the right way and you know it's it's very powerful when you look so an example um, the coastal gas link pipeline which is the pipeline that's being built to provide product to the lng canada facility uh, all 20 of the elected bands along that route have signed uh, agreements with uh, with uh, the company uh, cgl on on that uh, project for benefits the kitimat lng project has it's called the pacific trail pipeline There's 16 uh, nations that are along that route, all 16 of those nations have signed uh, onto onto agreements for that uh, pipeline, should it be built. The Wood Fiber Project, the Squamish uh, Nation did a separate environmental assessment uh, uh, review of the project, issued the first Indigenous environmental assessment certificate to Wood Fiber, and as a an, uh, partner in the project mm. so, so when you think about these examples of what's happening in the community where lives are literally being changed with generational opportunity and again yes these are jobs they these are also really importantly careers and as we've seen in other industries these are opportunities for indigenous nations to build uh businesses that can service the industry long term and other industries uh in in the province as well so this is a very powerful time here in British Columbia especially but Canada more generally and how we build our continue to build our natural resource industry so that all Canadians can participate so that we can have prosperity in all of our communities and this is a very important conversation that I know all British Columbians and Canadians are interested in and we're doing it right now in the LNG industry and so I think that's a really important topic that we need to talk more about we need to get out there, especially to folks in urban communities, mm-hmm. of what's happening on the ground out in communities right now. How lives are being changed, how partnerships are being formed, how uh, th- these companies are doing things in in, j- in the right way, and they're they're not talking about it; they're doing it. Yeah. So, I think that's a really important fact, uh, and that's the great thing about building great things. It's uh, it's not easy. These, this industry. Is, is a hu- could be a huge industry like I said a 40 billion dollar project with more to come and so you know when you look at, at, at big projects like that they're not easy but it takes bravery to do it and you've got these proponents that are doing it and um, boy am I am I pleased to be a part of this industry yeah. and what's happening.
0: I have um, you know you're, you're, you talked about stakeholders um, when you were working with Molson and now obviously in this project there's there's stakeholders at a, at a massive scale as well can you identify how the LNG industry is approaching you, you know say um, an environmental certificate f- from an indigenous group is that that's right mm-hmm. that's what it was yep. um, that so you've got the stakeholders you've got indigenous communities mm-hmm. indigenous groups. You have government, um, and and when a project, these projects of the scale take lines so government power changes hands. Um, you have multiple companies, you have multiple, I mean, you have engineering for so many stakeholders involved in this scale yep. of project. How do you, have you seen the LNG industry approach it any differently than other industries have? Or have you seen things that they've done that specifically so for someone watching here, um, that, that you can identify to say this is the right way to do it, or
2: this is a new way of doing it um, that made it successful. Uh, I th- I think uh, you know obviously our proponents are doing things the right way because they're getting their environmental they're getting it done right. So so they are doing it the right way. They're like I said, this is our first opportunity to build a brand new industry. So so it's kind of uh, taking the what's happening today in the world and applying it to a new industry. It's happening in other industries, of mm-hmm. course, as well. But in the LNG space, it's a new discussion, it's, it's incremental growth. So it, it kind of brings people more naturally around the table to talk about how to how to make it happen. Um, but it's not, like I said, it's not easy, right? So you've got multiple levels of government, you've got multiple communities, you've got indigenous nations, especially here in British Columbia, where we, we all know the realities of, uh, of not having treaties and unceded territories. Like indigenous communities are partners, yeah. indigenous. And so this is, uh, so the way that this is being done by our proponents is the right way. And, you know, you could point to specifics, but just generally uh, what I've seen from our proponents, what I've seen from the LNG Canada's, the chevrons, the Woodside's, the wood fibers, the fortices, the Alta gases, uh, the axons, you know, is, is just a real um, commitment to doing things the right way, to taking the time mm-hmm. to do things the right way. And to uh, understanding that, um, that it's going to take time in in some instances to get things done. That being said, there is a finite amount of time that 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 you know proponents can wait because these are companies that are invested all over the world, right? So there's opportunities to be invested in other jurisdictions. What we need to continue to work with public policymakers on is is creating that a competitive environment that works for Canada, that works for BC, but also. Really importantly, allows for this industry to grow because, um, if like I said, if it doesn't happen here, it will happen elsewhere. If it happens elsewhere, it's going to happen with higher emissions. So we can actually take advantage and build this industry out responsibly, and and have a carbon advantage over the rest of the world, which is really really powerful in this phase we're moving into. Yeah, um, we're
0: not uh, we're not going to keep you for, for too long. I know you've got a meeting to get to, so um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap up and. Um, well, I'll touch on quickly that the the BC LNG Alliance is it's it's made up by so who are the stakeholders in it? Just quickly, to, who are the stakeholders and and from a c- it's it's not a and we clarify this want to clarify this for mm-hmm. people um, who are watching I, this isn't a membership organization yep. where I I go but th- so the it it's it founded and brought together by who who are the stakeholders that are involved sure. in the organization? So they're the
2: major proponents that are looking to develop projects in yeah. British Columbia. So you have LNG Canada. You have Chevron, you have Woodside, which are partnered on the KLNG project, Kinmet LNG. You have Wood Fiber, you have Fortis, you have AltaGas that has got the Triton LNG project. And you have Exxon, which has uh, the WCC project, which uh, both of those are kind of looking at investing right now. They're not proceeding with with their project at Mm -hmm. this time. That being said, there's much, There's there's other interest in the jurisdiction from other potential projects as well. So there is an opportunity for growth for the Alliance, but, but those are the main proponents right now that are looking to develop. That's the group that, that, uh, that I work for, that's my board of directors and, right. and what we're looking to do is create the public policy environment that allows for the development and growth of this industry. So, uh, so that's my predominant mandate. And that's really a national conversation so yes it's being operationalized through british columbia but this is a canadian opportunity Mm -hmm. um and so so our our dialogue is is national in that regard so uh so i think we're we're in a very exciting phase uh the work that we're doing right now will lead to the opportunities for growth for this industry for the next 5 10 15 20 years so it's an Incredibly important time from a public policy development point yeah. of view, and a and a engagement with communities point of view, because we truly do have an opportunity to build a brand new industry. We're doing it. There's opportunities for growth, and what this will do is lead to you know uh, just real generational change in our country and allow us to, to continue to be at the forefront of being global responsible players in the energy space, which we've been for years and years. But this s- opportunity to take this to a new level, to, a new to level. have Canadians be uh, what we've always been, which is the responsible provider to the world doing mm-hmm. the right thing. Yeah. And so that's what this industry provides and we're doing it.
0: Yep. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see the projects actually going ahead in this industry. Ooh. So certainly won't be our last show on it, um, and, and thank you for coming appreciate on and talking it, to us. Jared. Thank you, co- thank Cody. Thank Yeah, <laughs> appreciate it. Okay, we're doing a, doing a quick wrap-up over yep. to here. Um, where can people find us? Subscribe to us, follow us.
1: Yes, please. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, LinkedIn as well, all at CrownsmanP. Um, what else? Li- listen to us on Anchor, and all the wonderful uh, podcast platforms out there. Um, I won't go through the, li- <laughs> the very long list. <laughs> and
0: join the Facebook group. That's sort of the yeah. fun chill version of the uh, of the show uh, where we post everything up, and yep. it's a pretty active group. so
1: and join uh, us there. yeah, and just stay tuned for our Crownsman specials. We've yep. got DRA Global and Savanna Equipment doing their specials um, in the next coming weeks.
0: Yeah, DRA yeah. is actually here tomorrow, tomorrow in our studio doing yeah. their specials. So it's exciting. So yeah. Okay, thank you very much for watching, everybody. We will see you on the next episode.